Hey everyone, and welcome to Geekscape, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening, uh, uh, back from the dead, Sean Christian. Send more paramedics. Dead I don't know what just if anybody, I'll tell you what, if Let's anybody in you chat can tell me that, tell me what that is, then I'll be your buddy. Go ahead, Troy. You're having your hand raised. What's it from? Oh, I, I wasn't going to. I was waiting for my. Oh, you just want to make so fun I, of me. That's fine. Go ahead. No, I, I know where it's from. Okay. Troy, how you doing? More brains. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I need more, more brains. brains. Send, oh my send more cops. Yeah. <sighs> I'll, I'll save that one. For, uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, go look, go Google it, and then go watch that movie. It's fantastic. Mm. Well, uh, goodness. Um, what a way to start a show. What a way to start a show. You can yeah, only absolutely. go down from here. What a no, <laughs> only down? Well, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, um, yeah so this is a sat- this is a Sunday recording. Um, we're, we're on the tail end of... Zine Quest 2023, and we decided, you know what, we're going to dive back into some playtest discussion. I don't know that this was really something that was on like our agenda to-do list, um, but it was like, you know what, there's enough stuff that we should talk about in this that even though it's not a priority, we're going to we're gonna do this as an episode. And John uh, is the... Is See, the and, and Zach, Zach, Zach keeps trying to tell himself... Well, we didn't talk about the last one, right? <laughs> he just keeps. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. Talk we talked about every one, single right? one. Really? All right. Yeah, well, we did. I forgot about the yeah. cleric as soon as we talked about it. I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, amazing, amazing. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about the the next D and D play test. Um, right now yes good job uh catherine i love it um so dnd play test it's uh it's gonna be a long night folks not really <laughs> not really because john has not read this he's coming in cold and i've already made my case for i have some notes but i really don't want to go line by line through this because i'll just get frustrated by the end like and I, I, I didn't want to be like, I love the paladin and 5e, but the druid needed love. And I really wanted to like get really gung ho about this. And I watched the videos on these two classes that, um, what's his name puts out Crawford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, it's like the first half of each one. I was like, yes, yes. I was so excited. I was like, Oh, they're doing so many good things. And then at the end, I'm like, by the end of it, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of just disappointed. Like, like it, I don't know. There, there's there's a few things in both of these that just ugh, just made me sad. And it's like like those memes of people like staring off into the distance, you know, those like like staring off blank into the distance and just like sad at the world. That's that's what I experienced after after this play test. 
And that's actually part, one of the reasons why yeah. I didn't read it was because I just wanted the two of you to confirm my own future disappointment for me without having to dig too deep. Mm, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I haven't seen anything yet that has made me excited about this. Nothing. Yeah, nothing has made me excited. I want if if there's going to be a new edition, I want to be excited about it. If they're going to go through the at least the you know the pageantry, fa- the feigned pageantry of of doing playtests and saying that they're actually collating and or aggregating feedback and they're going to do something based on feedback, then let's do it. I'm ready. I want to be engaged, but nothing up until this moment has excited me about it. I just nope. I don't. Like, why, I, why bother reading let, it, honestly? Let me sell you on the priest, the trio of priest classes. Okay. All right. All right. What if the paladin, the cleric, and the druid uh, were three foods? And what if uh, I told you that we have now got a red potato paladin a yellow potato cleric and a purple potato druid. Um, they could be whatever you want, John, as long mm. as what you want is a potato. It's a potato. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how it feels to me. I don't know how you feel, Troy, but like, um, I feel like we just got three classes that are basically the same. Hmm. Like they gotten, they got blandified mm. to well, the that, point where yeah. yeah, that sounds like a lot like what we've been getting out of Wizards of the Coast lately. Is everything turning super bland? Yeah, it's all homogenized, and that's exactly what they're. This I, this is what I'm I'm having myself believe. This is what's going on in my head. This is the result of. When you have quality designers that don't want to make a new edition, they're being forced to do it by the suits of Hasbro, and they're all like, but no, we don't need it. And they're like, no, we have to have a new edition, but don't make it too different. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but... So now they're like, what? What the hell do we do? They're in- intentionally sabotaging. Their so let's own just at, at every turn. Well, it's like well, you know, let's just make it easier. Let's just keep you know, just you know, let's pull all easier, the teeth out. Pull all the teeth less, out. Less, less specific. Like, like literally, John, chat. <laughs> all three of these classes now get channel divinity. Yep. Oh, shut up. Are you serious? Now it's yep. it's slightly different with each one, but it's all channel divinity. The, Every one of these something cl- different. Channel divinity, channel divinity and channel nature. Okay, so oh, come on, man. Okay. Um cool. all three of them now get cantrips at first level. Okay. Well, um, I guess I can kind of see that with with paladins maybe, but that really I'm not a fan of that. Um, now divine sense is, I'm just going to throw things out at you that make no sense. Now divine sense is a channel divinity ability mm-hmm. that you don't unlock until third level. Mm. Oh, by the way, uh, 
Paladins are the only one of these three that don't get Channel Divinity at first, at level. first level. They have yeah. to wait till third. Because it makes yeah, sense that spells. a Paladin is going to be... They get they get to cast spells at first level. They just can't Channel Divinity and get their Holy Sword until third level. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is so bizarre how they chose to create these. Like, I... Like, okay, so the things that I was really excited about was um, they said um, the Paladin can now use its smite with ranged attacks and unarmed strikes. I was like, yeah. oh, that could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's 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 stuff that we've really had to resort to, like, third-party subclasses to get at this point. Um, it's, it's not... Um, So the, their answer for that was, well, if you're going to do that, then you have to nerf it to all heck. Yes. Mm-hmm. So smites are now oh. weaker, and you can only do them once per turn. Wild shape is now weaker, and they're like, well, we want, you know, we, what we don't like is you having to go to the... the so Crawford, Crawford started off on the right track, I feel like, in his video, where he's like... Okay, so the druid is the least played class in the game. We've got to give it love. And I'm like, 100% agree great it is Let's, really yep it is 100 percent the least shocked class in the game it's the yep. least one wow interesting his statement was according to dnd beyond dnd okay. beyond yeah right. he said um well the reason that it's the most he said we believe that the, the reason it's the most unplayed class in the game is because it's so complicated and so we need to strip out everything that makes it complicated and really what we mean by stripping out everything that means complicated i'm i'm very much paraphrasing here but very much this is how, what he said the thing that makes it complicated is players don't like having to reference stat blocks from the monster manual and being able to choose from different monster types, creature types is annoying. And so now every creature has the same stat block. If you're a creature of the land, they all have the same stat block. If you want to fly, you can't fly until you're ninth level, but you can't pick a flying creature until you're like ninth level. You can't pick an, a water creature until your yeah. seventh level you can't climb you can't yep. have a climb speed until fifth level yeah just yeah, like it's like so stupid you can't you can't be a tiny creature so you can't you can't wild shape into a mouse until your 10th level mm-hmm. which is the most bizarre thing i saw somebody post today and they're like i don't know what sort of reality fantasy fantasy you're we're trying to emulate here by saying that i could turn into a bear or a panther the when I first start out my wild shape, but I need to be a much more powerful druid before I can be a mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what I don't get, I mean, on the one hand, the ease of it, of saying, okay, you know, here, here's your base stat block that you can use. I kind of like that. And then just, you know, whatever special abilities that certain animal has, you can tack them on. Cool. Okay. That makes it kind of easy and quicker that you can get through, but that's not what yeah. they're doing. And then no, literally all, all of the creature, all the stat blocks have the same attack. It's just yeah. land has a D eight water has a D six air has a D four for their damage. Well, let me yeah. ask you this. I wonder why they didn't go in the direction. It's probably, it's more pages. They're going to have to print this on. It's kind of a, a retread of a lot of the stuff that they already have in the monster manual, but it, wouldn't it be neat if they had, instead of spells like drew like maybe you do still have druid spells and that's probably what would suck but you had 
essentially a stat block, druid-specific bestial stat blocks that you would drop in. I yeah, with with druid-specific stuff that they get to do, right? There's there's a way to do this, and maybe it's partially that it's not this though. It is like not, no, it no, is I agree. so not this. this. Is awful. Like 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 it. it Bear droid saying the favorite thing about being a druid is looking at the stat blocks. I agree. I think that the the problem with it, you're you're right on the money up there as well. Is like the good one is too good, the rest are not so good. Also, the how they have set up the druid where they can only transform into beasts. And only certain beasts at certain levels means that there's really only one or two optimal choices for you to transform into for most levels mm. of play. And once you reach a certain height of level, it's really not worth transforming into much at all. Anyways, like you're you're never going to be as cool as some of the others. Like it it the problem is that they they don't like the idea of druids getting to have wild abilities based off their creature stat block, like Troy mentioned earlier. The thing that they don't understand is that, in my opinion, for a druid, those wild, bizarre abilities are the equivalent of a wizard's wild and crazy spells at higher levels. Yeah. Like, it sh they need to have all that. That's what makes it fun and exciting. Like, the, the druid can say, I can transform into a into a... Um, T-Rex. T-Rex or a, yeah. or a, um, 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 you know, something that has a paralyzing gaze or a blah, blah, blah. Like, well, no, you can't, you, I mean, Druids can't at this point in 5e can't change into something that has a paralyzing gaze. I know, but I'm just telling but, you like, that's what would be. Right. That's what you need. Yeah. That would be fun. Now. And the, and the thing that really kind of, it makes this even it's kind of like they're taking so much away, but then they're like, oh, but here's something that you can do that's really cool. And that's, you just get a pick. You get to pick what it is. You could, you could say, you can be a pink jaguar if you want. Yeah. You only can do, you know, your, your first level. So you can only, you're only going to move, you know. And it better have claws. Cause that's basically what we've got to give you mm -hmm. for the stat block is yeah. bestial slash. Strike. Strikes, yeah, strike, whatever. whatever you, yeah, and it's like this generic bleh. There's like, well, there's just no, here's here's what it looks. I'm, I'm reading through it as the two of you are talking about it. Let me throw another one out there. First of all, everything feels so bland on this. Everything is, it is overly genericized. That there's no, there's just no flavor in it at nope. all. There's no personality and there's no character. Nothing that really distinguishes it. But it's narratively. It's purple, John, and purple is a right. different flavor, or at least <laughs> color of potato, than the paladin. That's which true. You're, so yeah. when we get to paladin, you're going to really enjoy the difference. The difference. I promise. Well, let, me I promise. let me throw another one out there. Potato. Armor training. I, if I'm reading this correctly, I don't see any limitations to metal armor anymore. There's no you limitations, know, you know, but, but they only they start they only off, get light. They only get light. They don't get uh -huh. medium. Okay. Okay, I'm with you. Now, so they can wear studded leather, but not. Right. Yeah, I can. I can see maybe a subclass of some kind of a militant druid getting medium yeah. armor, yeah, as a class feature or something like that. But and yeah, I that's the one like thing I do they, like about this is like, oh, yeah, yeah. I I like the circle of the moon for the most part. Now, let me back off that. I like pieces of it, and I like the concepts of it. 
like, but the idea of allowing you to cast abjuration spells while you're in beast form is a cool feel, especially because they've moved most healing spells into abjuration at this point. Mm -hmm. So like the concept is if you're a circle of the moon, you can be casting warding spells and healing while you're in your beast form. I think that's cool. Um, I also like the idea that they're tying it to like elemental shapes and elemental damage um, is cool. Like the idea that you're not just a wolf. Now you're a, you know, a, like thunder wolf or whatever right mm-hmm. like that's which is effectively is. they totally st- if they didn't steal it from it then they must have been in the same mind space as world of warcraft with shamans because that's essentially what they ended up doing with shamans so they made them all elemental and they couldn't mm-hmm. transform into a beast like a fire beast or a, a water serpent or something like that but we followed the same yeah. kind of theme well and and i have i have an issue oddly enough with with how this is written up, like in the beginning, little the little druid write up, it talks about how, you know, they're all about the the balance of nature, and they don't they don't like people that like just worship one element, because all four elements need to be balanced for nature to work. You know, law and chaos as well, uh, civilization versus the natural order of things. When when you see in all kinds of literature and, you know, critical role does it, there are Druid sects that are, you know, the, the Ashari clans that they do, mm-hmm. you know, they got the air Ashari, the what, you know, so everybody else is separating this stuff out. And then in your class and subclass that you have as an example, you have elements. You're changing into elemental forms of these creatures. And more often than not, somebody is going to be like, okay, all my stuff is fire. You know, they, they can bounce back and forth, but they're probably going to, yeah, you know, yeah. specialize or whatever. It's like your lore that you're writing isn't even supported by your own rule set and and how how it's reading. So it's like it's like are you got two different people writing this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part yeah. of it too. Right, maybe that's that's one of the, the another beef that I've got is by them changing things mechanically the way that they're trying to do to make it different, and make it stand out from the from five e. They're changing the lore along with it. Mm-hmm. Fu- it's fundamentally changing the way that the the druid operates mechanically, but also yeah. fundamentally how it how it works narratively, which and is shifting said, a significant a shift. They did talk about that in the video. They said that like the druid, they feel like. They, they said, you know, back when the druid was first edition, first introduced into D and D, like wild shape was not even like a core feature of mm-hmm. it. It was like a side note, right? And they're like, over time, the community has fallen more and more in love with druids are shapeshifters, mm-hmm. and they're like, this next iteration, we're we're fully committing to that where the purpose of the druid is to shapeshift and and a lot about the druid changes to fit that like that archetype idea that like shapeshifting is core to you um which i thought was interesting that it's it's designed following the consensus of the community right like i think that they like i think that it's smart for them to do druids are shapeshifters as an answer because i think that really current 
D and D players do want that, and if they don't want that, they need to be playing a different class, like either like a nature domain cleric or a or there needs to be room for another class like a shaman or something because mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think I think this class does feel like it should just be the shape shifting class and yep. we should call it good. Yep. Well, that's what I and that's kind of what I was getting at with that. I didn't want to say it, but I mean, it, it, having both. If you want to want them to lean heavily into wild shape, it feels it's overly complicated to have a really complex a complex wild shape mechanic and function or feature, and let them and let them have uh, spell casting. It's just there's so much for a person to have to be able to keep up with with all that, depending on how how heavily you lean into the mechanical aspect of See, wild shapes. I would say that you're. I would say that the 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 reality is that. You could mitigate a lot of that. You could mitigate a lot of that by just saying, instead of whatever you're saying here, like, just, it's a fit, like, they, they can they can only go, I'm going to be careful before I um, say this here. If you, yeah, if they would just do like the paladin is and say that mm. this is, that druids are a fifth level spellcaster instead of a ninth level, go nuts mm-hmm. at that point. Mm. Like, I agree with you that they're trying to say, well, you have ninth level spells. You can't also have crazy things here or here. But I'm like, I think you need to lean into the other. Like, I know that there's some cool high level spells for druids. 100%. Mm. I, I would hate to see those go to some extent. But I think that we want the complexity to be in what you can shift into because that's the fun aspect. I mean, like the freaking fact that the D&D movie is like... the the first thing they want their druid to change into is an owlbear. Yes, mm. of course, because that's what players want, right? Like they want to be, they don't want to just turn into a buffalo, right? Like mm. they want, they want the cool things. And yeah. right now it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's not, it's not, <sighs> Troy, you said they could turn into a pink panther yeah. <laughs> earlier, right? Like it's not the same to say, you can change in. You can imagine this creature looking like whatever you want to. Yeah, is not the same as saying he, there are mechanisms that you can utilize to shift into a wide variety of creatures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I would. I would be okay with the the base stat block thing if there was something like. Okay, you know, because I still like the idea, and it it doesn't say it in this, but I still like the idea of a druid can only shapeshift into something that it has seen and experienced in the real world, in their sure. in their real world. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I think what would be kind of cool, and I think a lot of druid players would probably get a kick out of it, is okay. You you see you see said pink panther running through the jungle. Okay, so what out of that just got unlocked? A speed of 60, a claw attack, a double back foot rend. You get to add those things into your repertoire. Yeah. And then you see, you know, a rhino. So okay, I, I can I can now add armored hide um and a charge and a trample attack or something like that. Yeah. And so then when it's okay, I'm gonna shape shift. And you can have all your little, your, your list of animals on the side. It's like, okay, I'm going to do a rhino and I am, 
I am snagging the charge and the trample, and mm. and putting them, in, you know, and that's what you become, because it, it's still it's still right there. You don't have to go fishing for a specific stat block. It still uses your hit points, you, which I like. I never liked the idea of okay, I'm going to transform into this creature at max hit points for the creature, get beat on, the form goes away. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back to the same hit points that I had before. I changed, and I'm you know, haha. It's like a mm-hmm. it's like a free heal, like you know, or something like that. So I, I did. I like the idea that you're st- you're sticking with your same hit points, and I like the idea that you ha- you can retain the ability to speak. Yeah, and it's like okay, cool, yeah. but now I just you know transform into you know a bear, and I take. You know, I got a climb speed, maybe, and you know, whatever, whatever that that person, whatever you've unlocked from all the animals that you've seen, if it makes sense to put it to a bear for that time, you can't. I think yeah. the problem with that though is it really it just boils like new players. That's going to be overwhelming to new players. I don't you and think I, that, I, that'll be lots I, of fun. But like, like bolt, I hear that you bolt uh, you bolt it all together. I think it's going to be. It's it's more it's you have like it's something you have to track and then if you can swap but, things out. Well, but, they, but they, I don't. I think that there's a way to do it. That's that's. I, I think that there is a way that you could do something like that. That would would be no more complex than a wizard spell list or a sorcerer spell list. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing that it you know, irritates the hell out of me is that we can have we can have and we can all be cool with two hundred spells that all do something funky, weird, and break the game in their own way, which is cool. Like I'm one hundred percent down with that. Right, and you could have a wizard that can have access to every single one of them, so the wizard can break the rules and be as complex as it needs to be six ways to Sunday because it's called spells. But then the minute peep, the minute uh, you know the druid comes onto the table, it's like, well, or the ranger with their animal companion, it's like, well, we can mm. only be so complex. Like, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not mop. Please don't. I'm, I'm not in any way trying to mock you, John, um, not at all. Just, uh, the design philosophy of wizards communicating, like we can only have players are only willing to have so much complexity. I'm like, then you have to get rid of all your spells because that's where 90% of D and D's complexity. Well, comes so here's the thing play. though. You already see that with the way that they treat their spells though. Everybody they're all the spells are so interchangeable because they're trying to reduce the level of complexity that they've already introduced to the game through tra- yeah. the tradition of using spells. Yeah, the broke cool. tradition of spells in fourth edition by having everybody had a spell and everybody had a power that was like that, but it didn't feel like D and D anymore. It was one of the things that didn't feel feel like D and D anymore, and so I feel like it's like um, I don't think that it's a matter of just a matter of the complexity. If it's a card or if it's a spell or if it's one block that is always the same thing, it's referenced. There's a difference between something that you're referencing and something that you are constructing yourself, and then you have to track. And that you have to manage, and you have to update, or whatever, right? If you if you have to add, if you any of the numbers change at all or shift over time, that's something that they're going to have to continually update, like like they would their character. And I don't, there are not very many people or many players out there that I know of, at least, that want to have to deal with much more than what's on their character sheet. Like, yeah, having and, a, and those people aren't going to be playing but, druids that can that can shape change. I, that's that's, I the, that's that, the thing. If people don't want to deal with that kind of complexity, then they're not going to play this class. They're going to play something simple. And you know, but, I hate the sorcerer. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I hate the sorcerer, but in this case, right? Like, isn't meta magic also kind of doing this, right? Where it's yep. manip- you pick things and you you manipulate or modify your spells based. Like, I I just like it's a hill that I'm probably willing to die on, which is that D and D loves its complexity in certain areas, but it also wants to toot its horn about taking care of not being too complex in others, and I'm like. Guys, we're <laughs> we've got a complex game. When you have sixty pages of spells, when you have an entire book full of monster stats, mm-hmm. when you ha- when a when a cl- character class takes eight pages, you have a complex game. Like, yep. I love you, but but do the work that you need to do to make these things compelling, and people will buy in. They will learn the rules that they need to learn, and and maybe maybe there's better ways to do it than what we're talking about here. Um, but, but, but at the end of the day, like, like just, just, oh man, it's so frustrating. Uh, you know, one thing that Colville was talking about patron saint, we need to get back, back to referencing the patron saint some more. That's that's what I realized. (laughs) Like, um, he talked about when, cause he's designing his own game. Right. And he said, you know, when we, when we start designing our wizard, we're going to say, what is the. What is the fantasy that we're trying to replicate or give you when we say you can play a wizard? Like, what are you expecting? Mm -hmm. And you start with that and you make a big list and then you say, okay, well, how does our game, how can our game do these things? Right. Um, And he said with D and D and I completely agree with this. He's like with D and D, they don't start with like, what, what, what fantasy are we trying to meet? with the wizard class or with the ranger class or with the whatever. They don't start with that. They start with what is the ranger class already? Hmm. And then how do we make that more compelling or more interesting or more easy? Hmm. But, but if you look at some of the choices that they're making with this, like the freaking fact, like it's never set well with me that a wizard or druid or heck, even a ranger has to spend a spell slot cast find familiar and then it has to be a fey Mm -hmm. creature like like it's like do you not understand that like that's a day one thing that every player wants and they don't want to have to be choosing between freaking do they take mage armor for the day or do they get their parrot right like yeah exactly it it, don't i feel like they put up roadblocks to making the class do what we want it to do and what we're imagining and then they hand wave it. I don't know. Oh gosh. I just I f- got, I, I feel like I, I, I feel your frustration, but I, I think it's almost kind of like they get this piece of information like, Oh, Hey, the Druid class isn't being played as much instead of like going out and polling the masses and saying, Hey, why don't you people like playing the, playing the Druid? They're going to sit in their, their echo chamber and go, it must be too complex. It's got to be too. I bet it's well, too complex. Steve, Let's Steve fix it. Was, Steve's making that point. It's a point that I've made before. Whenever they started talking about using the data that they're that they're getting from D and D Beyond to drive mm-hmm. their decision making, to me that is that's data bias. Like, yep. I oh, I know 100%. it just I know just as well as anybody else in like working in healthcare that you you start chasing rabbits down holes when it comes to data because you think that it's one thing or the data looks one way but it's not it's the way that the data was collected is just as equally as important as the data itself of what you're trying to actually yeah. figure out what the what the trend actually is and in this case 
how are we collecting the data? It might be like how many of these characters that are being built in D and D beyond are just like throwaway characters or wishful thinking characters, or, you know, yeah. like these them one time. Now you could probably there, I'm sure there's a way for them to aggregate, take the aggregated data on a character. And if anything's ever been rolled off of it, right. Yeah. And that lets them know whether or not it's active. How many roles has it been, has been made? Was there a role at first level, second level, third level? Well, that's considered an active character or whatever. Right. Uh, but there are a lot of people that don't use the the roller online. Mm-hmm. They still use they still use physical dice. Not saying that all those people are going to be druids, but it's it again it creates a bias of how you view the data. And I don't and, and just kind of going back over to where this came from, you Troy is like part of the problem. I don't think there's anybody can argue this. Nobody at Watsy, nobody else that loves Watsy is going to sit here and argue that they have a real problem with the fact that they do not spend enough time with the fans with the people that are that are playing these games yep. period end of story. There's they've I've, I've heard myself from sources that they recognize the fact that they are too, they are too, um, too separated from the, the people that are actually playing the games and they're making all of these decisions in a vacuum and they're looking at data, but they're not looking at people. They're not looking at the experiences or the things that are actually happening at the table that people are excited about. That's where a lot of, a lot of like yeah. convention space comes in, and they're they've pretty almost completely abandoned it in the last several years. That said, yeah. I think that there is like a certain type of like. Okay, so I agree with you. I do agree with you. I, I I'm thinking about like why would you design the druid this way? Or we're I mean we kind of already touched on some things with the paladin, but why would you design the paladin this way? Honestly, I go back to the thing that I heard from people at Watsi years ago. Now, whether or not this is actually going to be true with the current stable of designers that they've got. But what they always told, said to me was the next edition of the game will be designed for online play and streaming. Mm-hmm. And when I think about what this Druid class is doing, I think about streamed games like critical role. I say this Druid class would work very, very well for a critical role style of play, which is hyper, hyper hyper um streamlined and simplified with mm-hmm. players that don't want to look at a rule book and at times shouldn't be you know it, it for the sake of entertainment shouldn't be looking at a rule book they need something that they can quickly glance down at and move on because they're designing a show for entertainment value which is great and entertainment value suffers when when the druid has to flip through and look up stats or build things or whatever like Again, I think it's cooler when you get to build things or you get to look up stats or, or collect creatures like you were saying, Troy, that you've seen. But at the end of the day, for a, that sort of like simplified online play, this Druid class makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But, you know, on the flip side of that, what also makes a lot of sense is if you're in a high profile streaming game and you're going to play a Druid why don't you either you or or maybe one of your production staff create cheat cards of all the different animals you can change into and you've got them right oh, there yeah. well and that's and it's the, like like yeah well if we're talking about like it, the the goal of wizards of the coast is to make money the goal of mm-hmm. the new edition is to drive new revenue because we uh, reading through uh, slaying the dragon well, the, one of the problems they had with AD&D was that they ran out of steam because everybody had already bought all the books. The market saturation had occurred and they 
everybody had the, the core rule book. So it's time to create a new edition so we can have everybody go out and buy new rule books in order to keep the thing going. Yep. So from a, from a game life cycle perspective, I'm no longer upset about new editions because they need to make money. That's fine. But I need you to make an edition that I'm going to get excited about if you're going to make money off of it in order to continue in order for the game to continue, because you can't go on infinitum. I feel like at least historically seeing this, right. By just creating new settings and new box sets and new accessory items and things like that. Right. But if you're going to do that, I think part of this is if, since this is a driver is revenue, then why wouldn't you want those reference cards that you're talking about the shows making? That's something that Gale force nine was doing with spell cards that they, that you could reference. And, but I don't. I haven't. If there is anything out there for druids, that's like there, the, they, Gale I, Force I Nine has one, I believe. A, they do. A they've wild got like shape cards. Yeah. And if not, I mean, it's not that hard to. Do. But that, but exactly. you said something that is to me a fallacy, because yeah. is 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 this new edition quote unquote revenue driven? Yes, but not like it used to be revenue driven, because the court, you know, back in the day when they would do a new system, like you said. Mm-hmm. Market saturation, nobody's buying the books because they've already got them. Need to make a new edition to make people buy the books. That's not what's what this is. Because people are still buying the core rule books. They're still selling like crazy. It's not necessary. This edition isn't necessary no. to, to the to the I'm life with- the lifespan of the game. The revenue stream comes from, hey, we just want more. And the only way they can more. get more is to switch some stuff up. Well, don't don't get, get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that I'm. I feel like we're at the point in the life cycle where fifth edition needed to be transitioned over to a sixth for the sake of continuing the game. Like, I, it's not mm. not something that I like about it. I'm hang on. I, it's not something I like about about it. But it is something that again, reading through slaying the dragon at least at, at one point or another it was it was a necessity they had to move on to something they, because they were they were they were doing novels they're writing mm-hmm. novels but that didn't help that, that didn't help the game right no. that the game helped the novels but it wasn't there wasn't like a reciprocal relationship and then but whenever they would buy they'd create a new edition or the or not a new edition but a new uh a new setting or a new uh like Arnold Arcana and all these other books that were like just bolt-ons to the three, the big three, the the majority of their money came from the big three. Right. And people weren't buying the big three anymore. So they the, the, that edition pr- was produced in order for people to go out and buy another big three in order for the, the game to continue uh, on. Yes, and that's what I said. That's, that's what I'm saying. Fifth edition hasn't hit the point yet where the, the core three aren't selling because they're yes. still yeah. selling. Well, they still are. Selling. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know what 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 numbers those. They look haven't. Like, right? still, <laughs> go ahead. They haven't slowed down. Yeah, they, they haven't, haven't slowed, slowed down. down. Like they're still the best sellers. Like mm. it's still like, and that I think that's the in- indicator. Like as soon as the player's handbook stops being the number one seller for a D and D books, and I think you absolutely start looking at a new set. How do we do a new, a new edition? A new edition. Um, but but I think we're not there, and I but I think I think that. Um, you know, Bearsroyd talked mentioned that like this edition seems to be driven by data, where previous editions were driven by a strong lead designer, and I think that that's that's true. I I don't think that I don't think that data is all it is necessarily a like I think data can can be incredibly useful, right? Like as an example, like. 
data can communicate when spells aren't worth keeping, right? Data can tell you that True Strike hasn't been cast by a a player since 2014, right? On right. on D and D Beyond ever, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and it could be like, oh, why are we putting the spell in the book again, right? Like, or should we tweak it in some way? Like, right. data is useful in some ways like that to help you catch things that you might have otherwise missed or that you might have otherwise considered to be an isolated incident. So I do think it's good for like honing things. It's good for errata. It's good for fine tuning. I do think that having a game designer at your helm, but I think that that's the problem. That's it goes back to that being a problem with this quote unquote addition or update that they're doing is that I don't think that they, I don't even think Crawford feel like feels like he's leading anything here. He's just in the trenches, interpreting data and tweaking things because they have a design initiative that says we must put out a new thing. So he's sitting there saying, well, what would we change if we had to change things? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's going to be, there's no vision. I don't exactly. There's no vision and there's no actual core necessity for the lifespan of the game. This is all just corporate driven. And that's the problem because you're not, you know, because by the time that, like, say, second, you know, first edition was starting to decline, and second edition was being worked on, it was being worked on by impassioned designers thinking, "Oh man, we've been doing this for you know ten years, and now is our time to tweak this and do that and and turn this dial yeah. here and do something cool." But they, there's not that drive in this. It it was you have to make us a new edition because. We want this new VTT and new digital world to be a thing. So make us a new edition. And it's like, but why? We could, you know, fifth edition would be fine for this. We could still do it. Nope. We need a new edition because we want D&D Beyond under the under our corporate umbrella. So I've got a pretty good transition from Druids to Paladin. Because <laughs> we've sat on Druid for an hour almost here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Enough. Um. So I was looking at I was looking at all the stuff that comes with the paladin. I was looking at their find steed or their otherworldly steed spell. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it says something that the short stat block that they put in the spell is more interesting for the paladin's horse than for the druid druid's wild shape. Yeah. Like like it's so bizarre to me. Like, look at that. Like, you can have a celestial horse. You can have a fiendish horse. You could, like, and the differences actually give you different abilities for your horse. Like, wow, that wasn't hard. And it's smaller. It put, takes up less space on the page than your druid stat block. Your druid wild shape stat block. Like, it is incredible um, to me as a, as, a, as a showcase for, like, Oh, when you don't have this dumb design initiative that every class has to be at its core a potato, you actually do have good designers that have good ideas in here. And kind of extrapolating from that, I think that there's some really cool design principles in Circle of the Moon. I also think that the Paladin Oath has some interesting stuff in there. Like the, the problem, like I think that their freaking sacred weapon channel divinity option for that oath is rad i don't know if it matches exactly what everybody wants but like to me the ability that 
basically for an entire encounter, you can channel divinity to turn your weapon into a flaming radiant mm-hmm. I- item that can deal radiant damage and can, you know, uh, you know, butter both sides of the bread at once. Um, like it looks rad. And I'm like, I think that you got some cool stuff there, but the paladin class again has been potato fied and like looking at it, I'm like, okay, well you do get cantrip. So that's a thing with a paladin now. Like mm-hmm. that's nice. People will like that. I think, um, divine sense has been bumped to third level and is now a chain in divinity. I'm like, well, that's only because you made some stupid design decision that all priest classes had to have channel divinity. And so you're like, well, we mm-hmm. don't really have anything that's channel divinity for the paladin. So I guess we could make, divine sense of channel divinity thing that 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 works like it wasn't necessary it wasn't you know it it doesn't feel natural it just feels like you you had this thing that was like well potatoes all have starch so here we go let's make this could be the starch for this potato um spike and remind me if i'm wrong or not here but divine spells if they if they all have the same cantrips Right, there is yes. no distinction between yes, druids, 100%. clerics, and paladins. If the, if one gets a cleric or a cantrip, yep. all of them have the exact same spell list. Yep, unless unless like it's possible that they'll give like a special spell list for the druid that expands it, like an expanded spell list for the druid. Right. Well, they they the druids are operating off of uh, the primal spell list. Right. Yes. Right. Sorry. The, I'm yes. sorry. The cleric yeah. and the pal- paladin would both be off the the priest. Off the off the divine. Yeah. List. yeah. Divine, yeah, yeah. It, it, they're all three of these are priests, but two of them are priests with divine spell list, and one of them is priest with uh, nature spell list or right. whatever primal spell primal, list. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I personally, from a flavor perspective, I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate. Well, I, I hate at least I hate that clerics and paladins have the exact have the exact same spell list. I liked the fact that the paladins would have certain spells that were just theirs that made them more paladiny mm-hmm. that the clerics couldn't dip their toe into and vice versa uh, that the the paladin was more of a martial class than the clerics were and they even call that out in in this that their martial ability is second only to their divine spell casting which what the heck is the point in being a paladin then? If that's the it's a they've literally flipped it on its head. Yeah, it should it should I mean, be so, the other way so, around. So basically, you've got two clerics. Yes, and actually, this is the cleric of this is the war. This is the cleric with the war domain. It's, well, it's, it's little little more than yeah, and and the way they they talk about it to me, it it makes it seem like a paladin is a martial warlock hmm. because it can be it can be a, a you know a deity. You know, the oath can be to a deity. The oath can be to a to a, 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 a an ideal, or it can be something that's shouted out in a time of need, and that's how you get your power. It's like okay, so you just basically get you know swore your allegiance to a to Which whatever. Is a problem that they've they, had for forever at this point, right? Like they have no pardon my fringe, but but they have no balls when it comes to asking you to have your, your divine spell casters to be aligned with something divine. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, just bleh, gross. Yeah. Also, why are we putting Warlock? Oh my gosh, like I, I don't even want to talk about Warlock until we get there. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing that I was thinking about was that they've got these class groups, right? At this point, the experts, the mages, the priests, and the warriors. Why don't we just, like, if we're gonna say that all priests, all classes under the priest have to be potatoes, let's just have one class called a priest. Yep. And then let's let's let the cleric, the druid, and the paladin be archetypes of priests. Mm-hmm. Subtype or yep. subclasses. Subclasses right. and go nuts. Like, I feel like that's what you're wanting to do with this. So just do it. Like, to say, like, well, all priests have the same this and the same this and the same this. Then just make it a class. Let's 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 take let's walk backwards a step, and just do it that way. And then I think you get what you're trying to get here. I think the problem is that you look and you say, "Oh, we have twelve classes. That's too many. Let's try to make them. Let's try to make it easier for you to understand which one." So let's organize into the four groups. Then just make four classes. Move well, here, on. Like here's the thing. Though, I'm with bear, I'm with bear droid on this a thousand percent. Why do we even need the four groups? Uh, if you need them, if you need them to better understand kind of what their purpose is in a party, or kind of like what their function is in, a, in an adventure, and what kind of things that they have in their toolkit, that I understand. I can under because like, one of the things that I didn't gripe so much about as a lot of other people did in fourth edition was giving party roles to specific classes like striker, leader healer whatever right mm-hmm. I, I don't i never had a problem a controller and things like that because what all they really did was they they just labeled what we were already really doing at the table a lot of us were anyway right yeah um and so if that's what they want to do with this i completely understand that from like a, a grouping them so that people the new players understand them better but otherwise i don't see any mechanical benefit to making them all they're doing there's, is they're forcing there, themselves into making it bland there's nothing well no not really not for, not for these roles cuz the roles don't that's not what those are for it's it's from what they said and i kind i don't mind the roles the roles don't mean anything you know to me it's like it's kind of neat i think because then you can have something that comes on the pike that you know all experts get this or this is, or this is, you know, if you're an expert class, you could have this feat. You could, you could, you mm-hmm. can pick from this feat list. If you're a, you know, if you're a divine class, you can pick this feat. If you're a martial class, you could pick from these feats. It's, it's just a categorization. It's not. It doesn't make you know understanding easy or anything easier or anything like that. It's just a a categorization, and that's why I'm like. It's, it's not that big a deal. Who, well, no, that's what that's well, exactly not, what they I'm said. Not, it was. Again, I'm not I'm not complaining about the fact that they're creating groups. What I'm the complaint, I guess, here is that by creating the groups, they are they're over generalizing what each three members of that group are doing, and that's I think it's it it, it create it almost um it, it well yes reinforces that does that design direction that they're going in where like well if they're in this group then there has to be like they have to be kind of a, I, lot, I think, a little bit or a lot of the same yeah i think and i hate that like because otherwise sure. a, the, the paladin may have some <clears throat> may have some, some of the flavor of the cleric and some of the flavor or the, not the flavor but some of the functionality of a, of a fighter and a cleric but it still needs to be distinct the cleric needs to be distinct or otherwise it shouldn't be a class. That's one of those reasons why I feel like it should be very, very difficult to push for a new class unless you can have it be very, very distinct from the others, not just mechanically, but in 
both with lore narrative and with uh, the, the functionality of the of the class. And so what we're, what we're doing here, though, and I think we're all pretty much saying the same thing, really, is what we're doing here, though, is like the paladin and the cleric, how different are they even functioning from one another? The druid and the the ranger, how much different are they really going to be from one another? In, in the, at the end of the like, yes, the druid's going to well, have wild shape. Quite, and like that. Maybe quite that's a bit the different. the, 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 the well, that, quite a bit different. But go ahead, Zach. The, the problem is that to Troy's point, in the class group section, they say a class group has no rules in and of itself, but rec- but it allows us to have prerequisites that define that or assign things mm-hmm. that refine that. Right. So. In that section, it says, hey, no rules in of itself. But then in the design videos, they're like, oh, well, we we have this priest category. And so we're putting all priests now have channel divinity mm-hmm. as an ability. It's like that is a rule that is now tied to a class group. Yep. So you're breaking your own rule. And the problem with this is that anytime you start like it's. These cl- I, I also, I actually like these for the principle that they're, but there's a danger when you do this, which is if you're not careful, subconsciously your brain starts saying, oh, these things must match. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you start designing towards that. And that's exactly what they're doing. They, mm-hmm. I don't, I think when we first were presented these class groups, I think we all talked about them. We're all like, these are cool. We're all, we're all right. But now it's like, oh, well, we're four months further down the road now, or we're six months further down the road now. And we're seeing that they're actually using these to design rules that they're then prescribing to all the classes in the thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, that was not what you built these for in the first place. You're, they're infiltrating the class design. And what that will end up meaning is that the cleric, the druid, and the paladin roughly feel the same until you get to the archetype, the subclass level and the sorcerer, warlock and wizard are going to have similar things in their core classes until you get down to the subclass level. If, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm like, let's just make them four classes and let's get done with this. Like I, I don't like that's the coolest part of any RPG is looking at the character options and being inspired by them. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like they are actively ripping out things that can inspire you mm-hmm. to make things uniform and simple. And I think that's a danger. Like it's, it, it's, I think what you just said there, John, like from a flavor perspective, I don't know that there's a lot of a difference between the paladin and the cleric at this point. I think there are some difference in mechanics. I think that they have some, some variations in how their channel divinities work but at the end of the day, is there going to be enough difference for it to mm-hmm. feel for when you sit down and read the text yeah. and someone who has never played a fantasy game before and they said, okay, what's the difference between a, a, a cleric and a paladin? Are they going to be able to say anything other than um, a paladin has oaths? Yeah. Like, well, you're, that's, you're doing a disservice to both the old and the new players with that. The old players that have been playing this, and I say old... The people that have been playing it for the last ten years, not just the like the old white beards that have been playing this game forever or the thirty years, but even the people that I know you and me both, well, the gray beards, calico beards, whatever, you know what I mean. Like the the people that have been playing it even for the last ten years, you are really upending how these the narr- the the flavor and the uh, like the role play options and the way that how these these character classes inspire. Um, like the story behavior of your 
that your players utilize. Like I, by creating again, you're blending things in so much that everything pretty much is the same. It's to your point, four classes is effectively what we've got now. Four classes and a bunch of and subclasses. It, and that and that's and to me, that's if if that would be the design philosophy that they're gonna go with, that would be great. If they went back to the first edition thing where it's like you've got your fighter class. The paladin is a subclass of the fighter class. Now, not like a subclass is how they have right now, where you have to wait mm, till yeah. third level to do it. But and ranger should be back there too, underneath the fighter, and and the bard should be underneath the rogue, and you know the sorcerer under you know however. But it's like because now, yeah, like you said, they're losing that. It's like a paladin was a holy knight. Well, now he's just a more fighty cleric. Mm-hmm. But he's but he but not too fighty. Because he really needs to make they need to really make sure that they lean into the spellcasting bit. Because that's really super yeah. important. <laughs> uh Troy, before we I, I uh, we I mean, I know that you we could talk about the druid and the paladin for another hour solid. But what I don't, before we move on, I know you had like 16 pages of notes. So what, what have we not covered that is important for us to note on these two? Uh, let's see. Okay. For the druid. Um, I don't know, man, we've, we kind of beat the druid up quite a bit. Um, I, I don't know. There's a whole lot more that we can say without, mm really i mean beating a dead wild shaped horse um the the paladin the paladin um oh other than the fact that uh one of the abilities of of the uh of the druid is is now they have this thing where they get these flowers that uh, yeah give you yeah, flowers so you got good berry flowers and then at level 15 you have wild resurgence so in effect when you wild shape you you basically have magic good berry flowers bloom out of your butt to heal people because you just, it just happens why it's I just, just dumb i despise the idea it's just so stupid that druids can't wild shape and that that it 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 shows such the first time I'm going to say this out loud, probably uh -oh. Uh -oh. I, this is, I feel like this, I'm going to target, I'm going to target actual designers here, not by name, but like it's a poor design, poor design mm -hmm. that you feel the need to be bland with your wild shapes. So bland and say, you can do whatever, call them whatever you want. But then with he, your healing ability at second level, it's specifically you create spectral flowers and the blossoms heal people. Mm -hmm. It's like, that is yeah. such a specific description idea for what a druid does to heal people. Like it has no business being in the core druid class. Yep. If you want to do a flower druid subclass, that's awesome. Go for it. Like circle of circle it. of the roses, circle of flowers, circle of thorns, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm all about it. Like that would be rad. But like to say like, well, listen, everything in here needs to be interpretable however you want, except for these flowers. These flowers, listen, mm -hmm. every druid has Gotta to have the ability to make flowers. Yep. I, oh my gosh, I hate it so much. So, so it, uh, it, sticking, yeah. on, sticking on the design thing, um, what both these classes do, they, they tie abilities 
um, to how many times you roll initiatives in a day when you get to 18th level. Why? It's like you, you know, for, for, uh, for, for you, you may go, go a whole session and never need to roll initiative, but you could very well need to use your divine, your, your divine stuff or your, or, or a wild shape thing. And at 18th level, you should be able to do that quite a bit more than normal, but you have no way to recharge it because you're not entering into initiative at all the entire mm-hmm. session. So why yeah. are you tying things to an initiative? That's stupid. And then the Paladin Oath. This is supposed to signify the end of your training. Your training should have been done before your character hit first level because mm-hmm. the way the game is presented and the way the adventures are written that they produce, you start at first level there is nothing in there going back to your church to graduate or to present your thing to get third. No class yeah. does this. So the fact yeah. that they're saying that, oh, you're not actually becoming what you what you are until third level yeah. is horrible, horrible, stupid design. Yes. I, I completely agree with you. Like it's so it, again, it, it, it's like it's a it's a carryover. It's, and it's, it's a totally, carryover yeah. that we've all complained about for the last nine years with fifth edition. Mm-hmm. And it's like, again, we talked about this with the last time, right? When we were talking about with black flag, I said the same thing. So I guess this isn't in my eyes, just not just a Watsy problem. But I'm like, if you're going to go through here and clean stuff up, fix the thing that we all been complaining about for the last however long like oh my gosh man it's just like uh, the other thing that the other thing that chat my hide while we're while we're while we're wrapping these up is um so one of the 20th level boons that you can get is that you can increase an ability score by two even above 20 no no no. that's what they all get now all epic boons get that ability to bump your score up because yeah boons suck so bad they suck so bad and also here's what i loved about it here's what i loved about it hearing crawford talk about it and i love crawford he's one of the like i i love hearing him run games i think he's a brilliant person right Mm -hmm. but when he talked about this ability it score increase he talked about like it could potentially break the game and he had to be so careful to allow it in it's like we're going to allow people to go above 20. We've heard you over and over for the past nine years. We're finally going to do it. You can go above 20 with your ability scores because why not? You're 20th level. I'm like, dude, at 20th level, getting a extra plus one to a mod- modifier to an ability is the most bland thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Like it does when you can, when you're, when your wizard can stop time and your your uh, fighter can stab things six times in a row, like no one cares about the plus one. When you've got a plus five yep. sword at that point, or a, you know, a you know, you're all baned and aura'd or like blessed and aura'd up and blah 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 to where you have you're rolling thirteen dice every time you roll an attack, like no one cares about another plus one. Yep. Exactly. Your, your game is already broken at 20th level. Embrace it. Like, yeah, oh my it's kind of like, uh, hey, Skippy, got news for you, buddy. We're already doing that. 
You're, yeah, we're already doing it. Watsi is yeah. so far behind because they they just stay in their little ivory white tower and just go off of data. Go ask the people that actually run your game. Yeah, you, and, I and, love. And, and the killer thing is when you've watched Acquisitions Incorporated and Jeremy Crawford runs it, or Chris Perkins runs it, or whoever runs it, they don't even run the game they designed. They don't yeah. even follow their own effing rules. So, I love I love the fact Steve said there's more druids than characters who are 20th level. Absolutely right. That's very right? true. Like, and at, by the time you hit 15th level, everything's broken. So just run yeah. with it. Just go nuts. Uh, um, I I want to touch on one yeah. thing before we the, the, from the paladin, and then we can we yeah. can talk about the the your uh, your spell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breaking your oath, little sidebar of breaking your oath. Oh yes, please. I have caught hell because I ran a five E campaign where I felt the cleric was being unclericy, so I stripped him of his powers so that he could then go on a redemption arc and earn those powers back. And people are like, "That's not how the game is played anymore. That's first and second edition." And in this little call out, it talks about. You know, what happens if you break your oath? And it's like, you're basically telling the player, oh, well, you're done playing the class. You have to pick a whole new class. It's like, hold on now. I did it story-wise and made it fun, or at least interesting. You hope this is, is, yeah, at least I hoped it was fun and interesting. Um this is flat out having a DM step all over a player's agency and say, well, guess what? Uh, you have to take a different, uh, a different subclass or you know what? You can't even be a paladin anymore. Yeah. And it's like at a DM's discretion, an impenitent paladin might be forced to take a more appropriate subclass or even be a force to abandon the class and adopt another one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, so that that I felt, I mean, that just that just sucks. Well, I mean, it, getting, it's definitely one of those things now. where the the wording the wording seems very much out of place for a five e or, or especially a sixty <laughs> um, game to be like, hey, the DM's gonna force you to 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 remake your character. It's like, well, let's maybe there's a better way to say that, like. You know, if the player and the DM determine that their paladin will continue to be, you know, like make it collaborative. You're, I don't know. All right, so paladin, we're not impressed by some good ideas tucked some in cool, there, but yeah. not. I I love the idea that you can divine smite with your fists. Yeah, I don't so much like yeah. it with the, with the ranged combat. That should be a subclass. Well, I can yeah. see that though. Some kind of. Uh, Huh? Yeah, I I still think they should be able to do it, but I think it should be a subclass, a paladin subclass that 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 can can do it with arrows. Because otherwise, it's like I don't know. It just feels kind of meh. So what are we? What are we at with the rest of these? With like the feats and the and the spells? Do we epic boons are 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 lame and lazy? All I want to talk about with y'all i wanted to just briefly touch on otherworldly steam but we already did that so really all i want to pitch to you all is the new spare the dying spell 
Okay. Which is an action, just like before, cantrip, mm-hmm. just like before. Mm-hmm. You touch a creature that has the dying condition. That creature regains one hit point. What? <laughs> That's <clears throat> okay. Okay. I hate, so I hate that. I hate all what I say. So it's 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 what wrong. all paladins do with their laying on hands, pretty much. Yeah. It's just like, yes. oh, I'll give you one hit point no, to get no. you up. But wait, there's more. All right, so that's that's the spell. But you re- realize there, I said the dying, dying condition. condition. Yep, that's part of my notes. So the dying condition they have reworked to say that when you are dying, you have zero hit points, um, which is now a condition. Zero hit points. That phrase is now a condition, mm-hmm. which I think is super dumb. Um if you regain any hit points while dying, this condition ends on you. Not the dying condition, the zero hit points condition, which is stupid. Um, you also have the condition called knocked out. Well, actually, I guess this is an effect, so yeah. I'll give it that. So knocked out, you have the unconscious condition. Agreed. Great. Death saves basically work uh, as before, except that if you roll a 20, you gain one hit point. If you roll a 1... Um, you lose two, you have two strikes, but if you succeed and roll three successes, you don't stabilize. You are at one hit point, one hit point, Mm -hmm. but you remain unconscious until you, uh, uh, until you finish a short rest or you regain other hit points or another creature using action to administer first aid on you. Which requires a medicine check. So which that's the reason why they put that there, so that so, you could have that one hit point, and there's a way for somebody that's not a healer to bring you back into the fight. Yeah. Well, hang on. So let me let me let me pitch this to you for just a moment, mm-hmm. right? So with spare the dying, if you spare the dying on a dying character, you restore them to one hit point. Are they still unconscious? Uh, they would still be unconscious. That is so dumb. Based off of the uh, how they are determining, because one hit point now is just a forgettable hit point. Yep. Like, like all you're doing is saying, like, why would you not say zero hit points is that effect then? Like the idea that you have one hit point, but you can't be woken up, that you are still unconscious and have to like sleep it off. It's like this hit point is worthless to you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's 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 it, it, it and in fact it's miscommunicative because yep. you would assume that any amount of hit points and you are engaged and you can do things but that's actually not the case anymore half the time because when you're on the way down one hit point you can still do everything you want to do you do just as many things with one hit point as you could do with a hundred hit points Mm -hmm. nothing changes yet on the way back up all of a sudden one hit point you're still just as much locked in or locked down into being unconscious and you can't do anything as you are at zero See, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with John. I think if you do the spare the dying and you get the one hit point, you're back up because specific overrides general, right? The three successes is the specific. On your third success, you regain one hit point, but you still remain unconscious, short rest, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Spare the dying, 
and rolling a 20 on a death save, all they say is you regain one hit point. It has nothing else in there about staying unconscious and having to do a short rest or anything else. Well, hang on a second, though. Hang on. Let me, let's do this step by step. Spare the dying. You touch a creature that has the dying condition. Mm-hmm. They regain one hit point. First of all, you could stand over that person with a di- the dying condition and ping, 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 over and avoid this is written at least. You can ca- you can heal them for one hit point over and over and over again until they max out. But it does no, not say it doesn't end the dying condition. It does not say that it ends the dying condition. And the dying condition specifically says, going back to that really fast, my old chestnut. Yeah. The dying condition says you have zero hit points. Mm-hmm. If you regain any hit points while dying, the condition ends on you. Well, okay, right. well, then maybe that's it. Right there. <laughs> then maybe, yeah, that's it then. maybe that's how they get you. Well, that's okay. Then I'll say this then. It's terribly worded. It is terribly worded. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's it's so dumb. It's like, okay, so like like to your point, both your points. If if I roll three successes, why am I not just stabilized? That's oh, hang on a second. Three hang on a second. Mm, hang on. On your third success, you regain one hit point. The condition ends on you, but you're still unconscious until you mm-hmm. sh- roll a sh- or short rest. Okay, yeah. so then dying. No, and okay. you start a short rest. Hang on, hang on, hang on. This is where it was then. So this is terrible, terrible, mm-hmm. terribly written. I freaking hate yeah. this. If yeah. they do spare the dying, you're dying. You're dying. You get one hit point. So because you get the one hit point, you're no longer dying, but you are still unconscious. Correct. You they still pro- are no, but. I, I say well, no so yes, that, because that, it doesn't have that. That's the tricky part of it because because it, it, it the it, you have to determine right is uh, so when you hit the dying condition it says that it triggers an effect that mm-hmm. also gives you the unconscious condition yes. right mm-hmm. so the question is if you remove the dying do you also remove the unconscious within the dying step step setup it says. If you stabilize, right? If you roll three successes, yep. you remove the dying, but the unconscious remains, right? Mm-hmm. So the question is, with with the spare of the dying, is it the same as rolling three successes, right? To where you're removing the dying condition, but the unconscious stays the same, or is it is with uh, spare of the dying? Is it well? No, this unconscious condition is coupled to dying and you are no longer dying. So they both go mm-hmm. away. It's not clear. Right. And that's the problem is that it, it, and, and the, it all comes down to they've, they've, they have redefined what a hit point is just for this one specific idea. And it completely breaks everything mm-hmm. because, okay, what if, let me pitch this. What if you, somebody casts healing word on you and they roll the dice and they restore one hit point. What if the paladin goes over to a dying character and the spare the dying and gives you one hit point? Are you up? Are you awake? Are you are, have the dying condition removed? Is the unconscious condition removed? Because this implies that at one hit point, nothing gets better other than you are stabilized. That you mm-hmm. actually would need to roll at least two hit points, two points worth of health, or pour in two points and lay the laying on hands to do anything other than stabilize. Like and that's such a dumb well, design choice. I see again, because you know, if if death saves are the same now as they were in five E, rolling a twenty, because yeah. you, you make a death save at the beginning of your turn. If yeah. you roll a twenty, 
you get a hit point and you can pop back up. Yep. It, it, it doesn't say anything about staying unconscious and blah, blah, blah under rolling a one or a 20. So yeah. to me, spare the dying is the magical rolling a 20 because you get the hit point, you pop back up. Yeah. I, I would honestly, it, Troy, if we were running this today, I would run it exactly how you just talked about it. You know, I, it, because I think that's because I despise the idea that one hit point almost always is worthless. So mm-hmm. I would say, well, I'm going to say if you have a hit point, you have a hit point. Let's do this thing, right? Well, part but, of the problem with this is that it's not just the one hit point. It's that the dying condition is actually two conditions. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's dying, dying it's plus unconscious. Yes. Yeah. And so, so that's that's where we're get that's where the rub is in this. That when one comes off, does the other one come off with it, and vice versa? Yeah. And really, it, yeah. it's not dying is not a condition here. Dying is the unconscious condition at zero hit points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and well, they, making yeah. death saves, yeah. and that's the problem I, with tying I, unconscious. To, to dying or t- tying unconscious to zero hit points. That to me has always been such a stupid rule. I have to beat somebody to zero hit points before I then say, oh, it was some dual damage. They're not dead. They're unconscious. Mm-hmm. How many how many fights have you guys seen where some guy walks up and just blasts some dude in the, in the face and the guy drops but then, you know, a couple seconds later, he wakes up, he's ready to fight again. Well, he, he thinks he's ready to fight again. And you see that all the time in movies, too, which is, you know, kind of like what we're trying to emulate is that kind of entertainment. Guy gets punched, gets knocked down for a minute, and then the guy turns and he's about ready to, to stab the, the, the friend. And just in the nick of time, the person wakes up and gets him from behind. But you can't do that yeah. in this because you're at zero hit points to be unconscious. It's just stupid. I think I'm going to give the designers the benefit of the doubt here and say that they are poor with wording, but hopefully better at design than than awful. <laughs> I think that mm. they are too smart to to give us a cantrip that allows you to get back up yeah. and and be active. So yeah. I think that the intent of the spare the dying spell right now i i think it's incredibly poorly written i think the intent of it is that it removes the dying condition but not the unconscious condition Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the only way that this cantrip is balanced at all and i think that they know that they would have given us a broken thing if they would have done it any other way so I got to believe that they believe that removing the dying condition does not remove the unconscious decision uh, uh, condition, but the, it needs to say that I, it needs to say that it needs to freaking say that it needs to say it some, it needs to say it more than once. And it needs to say it loudly. And it probably needs to be in bold. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I would, I would like for the spare the dying condition to quote unquote, remove the dying condition or the spare the dying spell to remove the dying condition, but keep the unconscious just like it would be rolling three successful death saves. Cause that's kind of what you're doing. It's the, it's the magic way yeah. of saying you're stabilized. You're good. So, so I mean, I, wait. I, 
ultimately I want it to be like what John says, but the way it reads, it's not. So, but wait, there's one more element oh. to this, which is the knocking the creature out section. Yeah. So stupid. You, 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 you got us close to there, right? Mm-hmm. So now if you want to do some dual damage, when an attacker would reduce a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack, the attacker can instead reduce the creature to one hit point. The creature then has the unconscious condition um, and starts a short rest and it remains unconscious until it's healed in any other way or a medicine check supplied. So now very specifically in this one instance when you're going down the damage track you haven't even hit zero yet but you're going down the damage track and if the if you could if you hit one hit point via knockout you are unconscious with one hit point but you're not dying like oh my gosh i despise it i miss some dual damage Uh, I'm going to make a knockout rule. I'm going to make a knockout rule, and it's going to be in this coming Saturday's uh, Wagdi newsletter, among some other things. Nice. And it's going to be it's going to be way easier and way more elegant than this crap. So look for (laughs) look for knocked out in the newsletter. That's that that's going to be my pledge. I'm going to that's what I'm going to do this weekend. Hmm. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, fellas, I know, we 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 talked for an hour and a half on this. I, like, I'm happy to like if if you think of other things, I'm happy to have a mini discussion elsewhere. But like, I've covered every like. I hate doing an episode where we just like you know we take the baseball bat mm-hmm. <laughs> to the computer, right? I don't think that's really a thing that's important to put it here at the end. Of, I'll, at least I'll say it for me is that there's stuff in here that I really just don't like. I'm not trying to tear and kicking anybody in the butt over it or punch them in the nuts i think that they're probably trying to produce the best they can with within the limitations of what they're given and i and, or they may not oh, be yeah. they may not be excited about this and you're seeing that as a reflection in this because one of my biggest beefs i've had and i've been saying it outside is like wizards of the coast is supposed to have the top tier talent in the industry it's supposed to big be the big dog they can demand to have all of the best and brightest designers that are out there they can do better than this. I know that they can. I'm not saying that they can't. I don't think it's, but I think this is beneath them personally. I think they can do better. Well, and, and that's why, you know, I, they don't have the best designers. You know, nobody has the best designers in the 5e space because, you know, Ghostfire Games puts out some insane cool stuff. I just showed you a monster book earlier that has some insane cool stuff. You know, yeah, wizards can put out some some really cool stuff. There there are so many people that are doing such cool, cool things that no, I don't believe that Wizard of the Coast has a lock and, and they have the the absolute best 5e designers out there. They just don't. They can't say it with any confidence, and I I don't think they do. You know, it's like that's just the thought process that everybody else has. Oh, they're the ones that made the game, so they must be the best designers. No, not by a long shot, because their hands are tied. They have to make the the very lukewarm vanilla milk of, of D&D, of 5E, so that it's broadly acceptable to everybody else. Everybody else can take it in directions that they just can't. They probably the, the individual designers have the talent to do it, but because they're at Watsley, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whew. Well, 
golly. Um, that's where we're going to put a plug in it for right now. Um, and who's to say that we won't come back rearing to go on Tuesday with some more thoughts, but, uh, this, we, we had to talk about it. I, I felt, I think we, I think we all had a lot of energy about this one. Just wasn't positive energy, but we, we, we needed to do it. Yep, um, yep. all right. Well then I guess that's going to do it for this week. We'll see you again on Tuesday. Uh, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Play great games, everybody. And if you know, you know. Stay safe out there. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. and You can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time. Like Steve's, playtest equals lukewarm vanilla potato milk. Beige and sad beige box. That was my favorite one, is that we're going we're gonna to get the, uh, instead of the red box or the blue box or anything like that, we're going to get the beige box next. <laughs>